Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The term mastermind was originally written in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Before that, the earliest documentation that we have of a mastermind group was Ben Franklin's group that he used to meet every single week in a tavern that he called Huntus. Nation, there's no doubt about it. Life is too short to do it alone, and it's not very much fun to do it alone in. Nation, I urge you to go to scalinguph2o.com and find out if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. I'd love to have a 15-minute call with you to explain all things Rising Tide Mastermind and see if this is a group that's right for you and you are right for the group. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And last week, we celebrated 300 episodes of Scaling Up H2O. And the entire beginning of the episode was me thanking you for listening to this podcast. This podcast would not be successful if nobody listened to it. So thank you for doing your part. I really appreciate that. And since the airing of last week's episode, I have heard from many people congratulating us on having 300 episodes. As I mentioned last week, not that many podcasts make it that long. And the fact that we are more than 300 episodes tells me that we have found something that people Want. We have found something that people can use to make them better at their careers, to make them feel better about what they do, to give them some instructions on what to do next. And for those people that did contact me and say congratulations, thank you for that. That makes me feel oh so good. As I've said before, I am in front of a microphone here in my studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't see all of you. I'm hoping that someone is going to listen to this podcast as I'm recording. And it's great to know that people do listen to that. So uh, Scaling Up Nation, thanks for being part of the nation. And thanks for listening to this show. One of the favorite things that I do outside of this show is I host what we call The Hang. And The Hang is a Zoom call, but it's not a regular Zoom call because we try to have some fun. So we start promptly at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We do one every quarter, and the next one's going to be April 13th. And I have met so many listeners on The Hang that is just amazing. And uh, also, I get to introduce other listeners to other listeners, so now they are increasing their network. Now, here's how the hang works. We start promptly at 6, and I let you know about some current events that are going on, and then we quickly get into the hangout rooms. And with the hangout rooms, what we do is I randomly select people like, why'd you put me with this guy? Well, I don't control that. I use the Zoom breakout feature and I simply hit a button. I will say sometimes I'll hit it two or three times just to make sure it shuffles. I know that doesn't do anything, but it makes me feel like I am doing my job as a facilitator. And then those rooms are uh, broken up, and then everybody leaves the main room. They go into those breakout rooms. And normally I have a couple of questions just to get everybody started. And the whole point with that is somebody is getting to know somebody they didn't know. And a couple of things have happened from the hang. One, people say, hey, I love this, and I really want a network of people that I can get closer with, I can troubleshoot with, and I can help others with their issues. And then that allows them to explore the Rising Tide Mastermind, which is exactly what we're doing there. For other people, they're meeting new people that are now their new friends, and they are reaching out to them to help them solve issues. There was one particular gentleman that was having a problem with a water softener, and he tried everything. He happened to mention how frustrated he was on one of the hangs, 
It just so happened, it was a good thing that I hit that randomly select button on the, on the breakout rooms three times because these two people now ended up in the same breakout room and he knew of the issue that he was describing. And this just made the gentleman that was having the problem with the softener feel like he was understood because he had called the manufacturer. He had called so many people and they were just saying, you know, that can't happen. Now, well, that's not helpful when you have an issue and people say, well, that just can't happen, especially when you are experiencing it happening. I don't know why manufacturers do that, but I know you've had that experience. Well, this gentleman talked about what was going on and the other gentleman said, I'm pretty sure I've had a similar experience. Let's schedule a call after this. And sure enough, he knew the exact issue, told him how to fix it. And within a week, he had that issue fixed. And that customer was delighted because the customer wasn't getting any help from anybody else. This gentleman was the only one that was trying to get it solved. So all of that happened because somebody set aside an hour to talk with people they may not know now meet new friends, and explore things that they need help with. Nation, doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you need more people in your life that understand what it is that you do? Well, Nation, that is the hang, and that is a great way for you to build your network and have a little fun in the process. And then once we finish the breakout rooms, normally I play some sort of game. And I'm trying to think, I've done trivia before, I've done uh, a Wheel of Fortune before, I've done a Pressure Luck, that was a little game with the, with the whammies, we've done some Jeopardy, we've done Prices Right a couple of times. So you never know what we're going to do, and it's just something to have fun, and we get the entire membership, the entire audience to participate in the chat section, so we're trying to figure out, will that person know the answer, will they not know the answer? And it's just a lot of fun. So you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang, and you can find out everything that you wanted to know about the hang, and you can sign up for the hang. Once again, that's going to be April 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. All that information, scalinguph2o.com forward slash well, last week we were celebrating episode 300, and we just got a bunch of new listeners in Germany. So, uh, Danke, I believe that's how you say thank you in Germany. I'm not a German speaker, but apparently my English is good enough that the people in Germany can understand me. So, I know sometimes I have that Southern Atlantan draw. So thank you for all the new listeners out there. It's so cool when we get a new image pop up on our listener map and we can see that we've got new listeners in a new part of the globe. So um, all you new listeners out there, thank you for tuning in to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. For all you existing listeners, thank you for continuing to come back. And I know one of the reasons that you come back is we try to make it easy for you to know what's going on in our community community so you can expand your knowledge and learn more about your craft. So here's a few things that are coming up. So April 24th through 28th, Washington, D.C. Water Week 2022 is inviting professionals all around the world to come together and rally to get policymakers to understand the importance of all communities to have access to safe, reliable, and affordable drinking water. So if this is something that you want to participate or learn more about, we're going to have all that information on our show events page. That, of course, is by going to scalinguph2o.com and you navigate over to our events. Also, the Water Environment Federation's Odor and Air Pollutants Conference is taking place in Charlotte, North Carolina, May 16th through 19th. We'll have all of that information on our show events page. And the Water Environmental Federation's Collection Systems Conference is taking place June 27th through 30th in Kansas City, Missouri. All that information will be on our show notes page as well. I said show notes, I really meant to say show events, but let's talk about the notes and events because there's so much on scalinguph2o.com. 
it is becoming a resource for the industrial water treater to find out new information. So you can search on our webpage and there's just so much content that comes up. You may know this, I might have mentioned it, I may not have, but all of our shows have a transcript. And the reason that we do that is to make them searchable, make information easier for you to find. So if you've got a particular topic that you want to learn more about, you can go to scalinguph2o.com and just search whatever that is. And then everywhere where that word or phrase is mentioned, it will come up and you might have five podcasts that you can listen to. There's a company that I met at the AWT Technical Training Seminars, and part of their training regimen is they listen to podcasts. And they try to figure out what episodes they're going to listen to that build certain knowledge, and then they get together on a regular basis to discuss that. So something that they do is exactly what I just told you, is they put in a keyword or phrase, and they figure out that they're going to listen to these podcasts. And by the end of these podcasts, they're going to have a meeting. They talk about it, and they've had some really good conversations. I say that because we've got so much content out there. There's no reason you shouldn't be using it, but we also fall into the danger of repeating the same thing over and over and over again. So if you're working with somebody that's in charge of some of the meetings that you do, or maybe you are the person that's in charge of training or meetings, think about what you can do to get out of the day-to-day -to, -day to help people work on the day-to-day. -day. And what are some fun things that you can do where you're still accomplishing exactly what you need to accomplish, but you're doing it a little bit differently and people enjoy that. People have fun with that. So maybe you can do what that company's doing and, uh, and try to play around with some podcast episodes. Well, as you know, each and every week, we have our friend James McDonald talk about periodic water table with James. And by the end of the year, we are going to study 52 different items within our water periodic table. And we're going to know a lot more about the things that allow us to be industrial water treaters. So here is a brand new installment with James McDonald. Hello and welcome to the periodic water table with James where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... Calcium carbonate. What is the chemical formula for calcium carbonate? What is its molecular weight? How is calcium carbonate formed? How soluble is calcium carbonate? What impacts the solubility of calcium carbonate? How can one predict its solubility? What can be done to increase the solubility of calcium carbonate? Why is calcium carbonate used to express concentrations of other chemistries such as alkalinity, total hardness, etc. What does calcium carbonate scale look like? What are field tests that can be done to identify calcium carbonate scale? How can calcium carbonate scale be cleaned? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learned to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, James. Well, as you know, last week we had a lot to say with our friend Chris Yee. So we are bringing Chris back once again to conclude our interview. So here's Chris. In speaking with people throughout our industry, I'm always amazed at how little thought they give to the questions that they ask in the interview process. And they put so much on the interviewee to give them what they're looking for. And I see you shaking your head now. So what I'm should sorry. we be doing when it comes to prepping for these interviews? You know, 
our desk procedures mandate that we have what we call strategy calls with candidates before they interview with our hiring firms. And we try to prepare them the best we can on, hey, these are the types of interview questions there are in general. This is what we think they might ask in general. And these are the concerns they might bring up about you in particular. So we really try to be strategic and prepare folks as best they can. And even if they don't work with a recruiter, that's something they should be doing anyway, right, Trace? And we ask for feedback after the interview is done. Hey, you know, Barbara, call me back after the interview is done, you know, speaking with, you know, Mr. Smith, the hiring manager. And it's amazing some of the questions and how apparent the the lack of preparation on hiring. I'm trying to be nice. The lack of preparation on some hiring managers is sometimes pretty alarming. For example, the hiring manager will readily admit, Barbara, I haven't had a chance to look at your resume. Can you give me about 30 seconds to let me look at your resume? Well, at that point, Barbara's pretty much written off. <laughs> you know, geez, I don't want to work for you. Or other questions. Hey, Barbara, tell me about yourself. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's an open-ended question, right? You know, so, so you know, yeah, I see that where there's a lack of preparation sometimes that, frankly, turns some folks off. I'll get some free advice since you and I are talking, but we very heavily depend on our culture here at our firm. And we have five core values that define what we said as a company we want our culture to be. Pretty much 90% of all of our questions are based around those core values and whether that person will fit into this culture and thrive in this culture. Are we getting it right? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? My heart is soaring and my mouth is singing because you're doing it 100% right. You're hiring for culture and not check boxes on a resume. Not to say that those are unimportant, but I would dare say a cultural fit is absolutely critical. And there are many companies out there, and I know this firsthand, when you ask them, hey, what are your cultural values and how do you live them out? And then how do you hire for them? And then once folks are hired, how do you reinforce and advance and extend your culture? I dare say that there are hiring managers with whom we work are stumped by that. And that's troublesome because that adds a level of uncertainty to the hiring process and it equates to more risk when you do hire somebody. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, it's very easy to find a bad fit. And if you find a good fit, then I would argue maybe you're just lucky that time, (laughs) you know, because you don't know, right? And I get it, but you're right. Congratulations to y'all. There's my Texan coming through. Congratulations to y'all because y'all are doing it absolutely right. Congratulations, Trace. Yes, sir. Well, that was from the book Traction and the Entrepreneurial Operating System that we started, uh, I don't know, seven years ago. We started running our firm on that. So I'll recommend that book to all the Scaling Up H2O listeners out there, the Scaling Up Nation. So that's a great book. And I know I'm going to ask you about books later, but if somebody's listening now and they're like, oh, wow, that's something that I need to be doing, or I really need to ask better questions so I can get better answers, or at the very least, set better expectations, any any books, any resources out there that you can recommend so people can improve what they're doing? Books and resources, because there's a lot of good books and resources about, you know, I'm I'm a big Simon Sinek fan starting with why cuz that defines not just if you are a an employee or a candidate or a potential candidate if you own your own company or if you're a manager or if you're a supervisor or you're a VP level starting with why that book is excellent because it helps hone in on why does your company exist like for you and me Trace as business owners right so why does Blackmore Enterprises exist? Why? Why? Why is Zenith Search Partners taking up oxygen in this world, right? And then that translates into values and that translates into who and how we hire. So it appeals this 
starting with why appeals to, I think, everybody. It's universal, right? Um, but just practically speaking, it's just like in our sales training that we all have had in some form or fashion. Whenever we go make a sales call and we try to do a discovery on a potential customer or potential client, we should tend to favor asking open-ended questions that start with the words how or why or what versus closed-ended question, right? Like closed-ended questions. Do you have a bachelor's degree? You know, okay, yes or no, right? You know, those closed-ended questions, one should try to, to shy away from them on both sides of the house as a candidate is exploring an opportunity, as well as when a hiring firm is looking for talent. That's great advice. Uh, since you're a Simon Sinek fan, have you read Leaders Eat Last? I have not. That is on a lengthy list of, <laughs> it's on a lengthy bucket list, along with traction. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You know, we're, 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 we're increasing your list today. Thanks. You know, so. so I will say in Leaders Eat Last, uh, he talks about why some teams work really well. And other teams do not. Uh, he, he's one of my favorite speakers. He's one of my favorite writers. I don't think you can pick up any of his books and go wrong. That guy's gold. You know, he is, he is A-OK. -okay. He's all right in my book. Yep. Have you seen yep. the TED Talk he did for uh, Always Start I've With Why? I've seen parts of it, but I hear it is just legendary. Him and also there's another TED Talk. Oh, gosh, I, a little bit of a digression. Angela Duckworth about Oh, is that grit? grit? Yes. Yeah, about grit, Angela Duckworth. I read her book a couple years ago. I actually did read her or watch her TED Talk. That's another great book. And again, I, I know it's off the beaten path, but for anybody and everybody who's breathing in and out, I think anybody and everybody could gain insight and see value in reading that book or reading a little bit about Angela Duckworth or finding out what she's all about. Um, it's She's gold. She's all totally right. agree with that. Uh, she's yeah. been brought up quite a bit on this podcast. And really? uh, since we have people that are driving, we'll make sure to link directly to her TED Talk and the Simon Sinek one uh, yeah. on our show notes page. Super. Sounds great. Yes. Yes. Chris, let me ask you this. You did all of this generational research to see specifically you know, how it fits into the water treatment industry. What was the most surprising thing you learned? Interesting. Most surprising thing I learned is what draws us together. I know that initially I was talking about what differentiates us, right? Obviously, our birthday, you know, differentiates us for sure, right? But what are our common needs? And I came up with four needs that all employees, in my humble opinion, all employees, regardless of their age or their station, even if you're the number two person in the company, we all need this, okay? And those four things are trust, compassion, stability, and hope. You know, trust isn't just clarity and honesty. Trust means that I can reliably and accurately predict your behavior. In other words, if you run hot one day and cold one day, by definition, I can't trust you because I don't know what I'm getting, right? So trust is big. Compassion, hey, say it loud, but back it up. You know, please don't insult people by just being all talk or in Texas, big hat, no cattle, right? <laughs> you know, again, my, my Texas, I'm sorry, I my love Texas it. showing through, you know. And then uh, stability. There are two dimensions of stability, at least two. One of them is the practical stability, but I would argue even more important then the practical stability is, hey, what about my psychological stability from working with you? If I go to work for Blackmore Enterprises, okay, yes, I, I want to be sure that when you say that I get a truck, that the truck actually runs. Okay, that's cool. That's cool, right? But, you know, how am I psychologically feeling about my station here, right? That's a huge component and pillar of stability. And finally, hope. You know, hope, it's your company's and it's our personal most precious asset in times of trouble and turmoil. In the second and third quarter of 2020, hope 
is Zenith Search Partners and Blackmore Enterprises and everyone else's, it's our most precious asset. And that's what we need to lean into. And that's what employees need to have. And that's what we as leaders need to give. Does that make sense, Trey? It makes total sense, but I do have a follow-up question. I think the, the question everybody is asking now is, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. How do I do that? How do I make sure I'm asking them the right questions? How do I make sure I'm showing them the right things so they're actually, I'm communicating this to them? I think first of it is, is something y'all and your firm are doing great. Have a clear corporate vision, clear corporate values, and make sure that they're not just talk or words or a poster or a tagline or part of your signature block, right? So have a really clear corporate vision and values. Engage your employees. You cannot over-communicate. Just communicate, communicate, communicate. Engage your employees. Act like you care. Show them that you care by asking, how are you doing? It's amazing how many folks come to me as a recruiter who are looking for other jobs. And I say, well, okay, why are you talking to a recruiter? And they'll say, because I feel underappreciated. I feel undervalued. I feel underutilized. And I say, okay, well, have you told your current employer? And they said, yeah, for the last five years. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you. Like, okay, well, then let's talk, I guess. You know, so along with that, things you can do to keep the wheels turning is communicate the connection between a person's role at a firm and the mission of the company. So help them see where they fit into the success and vision of your company. Help them to see how their day-to-day work connects with the vision and mission of the firm. And then finally, if, if I could have a freebie, be adaptable. Make sure that you are adaptable. Make sure that your values and culture reflect adaptability because in 2019, you didn't know that 2020 and 2021 would happen. And the companies that tended to succeed were adaptable and flexible and not set in their ways. Very true. I know there are people out there that have spoken to their leaders that, hey, I need this. This isn't happening. Can you help me with this? But I also know there are a whole host of people out there that never had that conversation. And instead of trying to fix what they have, they're simply leaving. What do they need to do? What should they need to consider? How do they get the courage to have that conversation with somebody that can actually make that change they're looking for? If a person has decided for whatever reason that they would like to explore other opportunities, what we tell people, Trace, is, hey, leverage your network. You know people. You know people that might be able to help you if you want to find another role. Um, And this is true for hiring managers as well, right? You know people that might be interested in a role with your firm. Well, leverage your network. That's the most efficient and direct path to success, to leverage your network. And what we tell people in the next sentence is, hey, a good recruiter or a good person who is in your space, in your industrial space, might be a great extension of your network. But it's still the same. You want to leverage your network, right? So if there was one hint that I could give to anybody who's looking for a new role is, hey, leverage your network. And there are many, many, many ways to do that, including but not limited to folks like me. Granted that, but let's say now we've got a person that is unhappy, but they haven't done anything to try to fix their current position. What would you say to them? Ah, and we ask that. We say, okay, because we have some people that spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes just complaining about their role. And then when you say, hmm, well, Steve, have you ever told your manager about this? And you have a long pause. I said, hey, have you ever asked for some feedback from your manager? What have you done to initiate a dialogue with your firm? And oftentimes, for a variety of reasons, probably the biggest one, Trace, is people tend to avoid conflicts and they don't raise their hand and start a dialogue with their with their manager or their firm. And remember, the, the first thing about engagement is 
communication. So we'll tell dissatisfied employees, hey, before we talk some more, why don't you call me next week after you've had a conversation with your manager and tell me about it? And we'll really try to, because we think that communication is the absolute cornerstone, you know, to success. So it's like, hey, man, you know, if you haven't communicated, then please do. And the good opener question is, hey, Mr. Manager, I want to do the very best I can for you. How can I do better? Chris, I will say that that is what impressed me the most about you. That's what I think sets you apart because somebody calls, hey, you do this. You're going to get paid for this. Let me do it for you. And you say, oh, wait a second. I want to make sure you're doing the best thing. I want to make sure that everybody's happy in this. Maybe you working with me isn't the best idea. Maybe you need to go back and fix, which could probably be very easily fixed. I just love that about you. Well, again, our our role is to serve people, right? And if your first defense is just to eject yourself out of a bad situation, part of this is self-serving too, my friend. It's like, okay, do I want to place you at one of my key clients, right? You know, you know, a firm that I care very much about that's going to pay me for placing Steve Johnson or Bill Jones at the company and then have that person leave after one, two, five, 15 years simply because they didn't communicate. So I, I try to serve that employee saying, hey, look, you know, what I tell them without really telling them is, hey, man, there might be something that you could possibly change about the way you do business, about the way you interact with your employer. You know, not that I can't help or don't want to help, but I just want to make sure you're the best you you can be. You know, so yeah, it all just comes back to the service aspect, right? You know, um, one of our things, just me as a person, right? I care more about people than the deal. Because if I care about people, and this is one of the cornerstones of my company, ask anybody around here about Chris's dumb little sayings. And this is one of my dumb little sayings, but it's not really so dumb. Hey, if we care more about people than the deal, then the deals will come. Don't worry about the deals, worry about people. Chris, for all of the managers out there, for all the supervisors out there, are there warning signs that we need to look for? So maybe people aren't coming to us like they should. Hopefully after listening to this, people are going to reconsider that. But are there certain things that if these things happen, it is a flag and we need to stop our day to day and we need to go talk with that person and give them what they need? Yes, and that's especially hard in our industry, and we do a lot of work with sales folks who are, by definition, not in the office that much, right? So if I'm a sales manager, sales director, or an owner of a company, or whatever, right? If I'm in management and I'm responsible for a sales group of five people, but I really don't see them that often, that's even more troublesome, right? Because how do I know how how they're feeling as they're driving in their truck from point A to point B, and they're literally silently cursing me out for 80 miles. How do I know that, right? So the short answer is you don't unless you engage and ask them. So here's something that we ask. It's just a general ask, and it's not rocket science, but hey, rather than do one-year annual surveys, and we would be, we are very surprised at how many people don't have any, don't even have that right? You know, you know, we don't have annual surveys to do it, you know, to talk about your performance, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. We don't even do that a year. I think a one-year annual dialogue is next to useless. Have it either every month or every quarter where you have a set of questions that you ask and answer. Number one, how am I serving you? And both parties can ask that. How am I equipping you for success or how am I doing, right? Those are, both parties can ask that. But again, communicate and connect that person with your vision. And if you make that a priority as a hiring manager to engage that employee, especially the remote employees that you don't see that often, and to make sure that they don't feel like they're out in left field that there's an us versus them. And I see that in the sales world, right? Us are the folks out there making the money, pounding the pavement, being on airplanes and carrying around the the test kits. Them are those yahoos in the puzzle palace who don't get us. Well, 
hey, both parties have a responsibility to bridge that gap because we're all one company, one shared vision, and we all have a role. Chris, we had a speaker come in to the Rising Tide Mastermind live event last year, and it was all about retaining talent. And one of the things that he mentioned to all of us was uh, instead of doing a quarterly review, to switch our thinking, and everybody knows what was done, we can't change that, but change it to a quarterly preview. So we know what we did. Let's not review that. Let's do a preview of what we're going to do in the next quarter, how I can help you do those things in the next quarter. I'm curious, what do you think about that? I think that's excellent because part of a good quarterly review, typically speaking, a good quarterly review is maybe a third of the time a look behind and at least two thirds of the time a look ahead, right? It's like, okay, the review, and, and that's a great I love the term because it changes your mindset. Thank you. I might actually steal that without paying you a royalty. Sorry. but <laughs> It wasn't quarter- mine. I stole it from someone else. Excellent. Then, then we're both good. So thank you, whoever you are. But no, a quarterly preview says, hey, what do we want to accomplish in the next 90 days? And hey, how can I be accountable to you? And how can I equip you for that success? And then, hey, how can we talk or what will, what will necessitate a conversation in 30 days? Why wait till 90? If we're going off track in 30 days, let's define now what off track looks like so that we know what flag to raise and what predicates the flag raising 30 days from now. Now we've got engagement, we've got communication, and now we understand our expectations both me as a boss and me as the employee, I understand, you know, I got a clear picture of my marching orders and what constitutes success in the next 30 slash 90 days. And now we're building something kind of cool. Now we're doing something pretty decent, right? At that point. Chris, when people call you and they're looking to make a change, have you found that there are certain items they have in common that just say, I'm not happy here, something's not happening for me? Yeah. What we call in my company is we look for what we call the three unders. And if you see one of those three, then you've got somebody who is motivated to make a change. And if you've got somebody who says we've got two or three of those three, then there's somebody who's motivated to make a change quickly, like yesterday. So here are the three unders. Chris, I don't like my current situation because I'm undervalued. My company doesn't take care of me. You know, my manager doesn't keep me informed of what's going on. I'm undervalued. Okay. The other one is, hey, I'm underutilized. I know, and I've told my company that I can do this, 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 and this, and they, for the last five years, have just ignored that. They won't even give me a chance to fail. So I'm underutilized. I'm also undercompensated, right? Hey, Chris, I believe that the market for my services is X, and I know that I'm making 60% or 70% of X. Hey, Chris, if you can validate my belief that the value for my services is X, then I know because I've had other data points that tell me that I'm undercompensated. So basically, underappreciated, underutilized, undercompensated. So if you have one of those three unders from a recruiter's perspective, oh my goodness, we've got a candidate who has motivation to leave. So, you know, for those of us who are hiring managers, like, hey, do your employees know that you care about them? Hey, do you inform your employees? Do you prepare and plug into your employees' definition of success and where they want to take their career? And hey, are you sure that you're compensating them well for where the market is today in 2023 or whenever, right? Does that help, Trace? Does that answer? (laughs) It answers it. It helps tremendously. And I'm thinking of the preview, quarterly preview conversation we had earlier. If we do not have those three things that we are talking about, we are failing miserably on those previews. 
I think it's a precursor to culture, right? Like, look, I don't care what your culture is. If you don't, uh, if you don't appreciate me and you don't value, or I perceive that you don't value me and my contribution, I don't care what culture. I'm not, I'm not sold on your culture. Thank you very much. I'll go look for the job down the road, right? <laughs> I get it, right? You know, so at that point, culture is empty talk. You have to make sure that that base need for that person is addressed. You're making a lot of sense today, and I'm going to ask you this because it seems like in the younger generations, this is just an expectation where in the older generations, they would say, I work for this company. This is the company I'm going to retire from. Now it seems the younger generations are taught perhaps, but I don't get ahead unless I move to another company. Is is this a true statement? What's going on? Absolutely. A year or two ago, CareerBuilder did a exhaustive study on their millions and millions of resumes that they have. Um, and it's a published study, but CareerBuilder said, okay, look, what is the typical tenure of a job for folks in these generations? For example, if you're a baby boomer, you know, late 50s on up to 75, typical time at a job is about eight years. Let's compare that with a millennial or a Gen Z, somebody 40 and below. The typical time that you're in a job, millennials, for example, is less than three. So if you're 35 years old, your typical time in a, in, in a job typically stereotypically is three years. So there is that loyalty on the employee side clearly is waning. But then we have to ask ourselves as managers and owners of businesses, what am I doing to reinforce that? (laughs) You know, maybe I'm doing something to reinforce this job hopping, right? Maybe, right? (laughs) You know, maybe. (laughs) But yeah, that's a very interesting study where, you know, the older generation, quote unquote, has much more time, you know, over twice as much time at a typical role than a younger generation. One of our clients is a property management company and they're hiring building engineers. And I see this more in that industry, in that space, more than anywhere else. Somebody will come and they'll say, my lifestyle has changed. I need a pay increase. And they'll say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give it to you. So they'll go someplace else and they'll get that pay increase. And then the previous company will hire them back even higher than what that original pay increase was. I just don't get it. I understand that somebody who I would question if that firm understands the local market for that particular talent, right? You know, kind of that microcosm of the labor industry that just impacts you guys at this place hiring for that role. And I understand, I see that. And we have hiring managers say, yeah, we think that this role, they they need to get paid X dollars. And we'll say, no, ma'am, I, I think that you're not going to find a candidate at that at, at that price. And it's very difficult Some because sometimes they, they just have it in their mind. No, no, that job is X dollars. It's kind of a little bit of a lack of flexibility and a lack of knowledge about the here and now. And you're right. Just like your property management client, the market will tell them reality. Yeah, I just see that more in that field than any others. I think we get a little bit better when we move over to the water treatment industry, but it just seems like all of our clients in the property management industry, they need to have Velcro on their uniforms because they're just swapping back and forth and back and forth. Switching back and forth, and they're driving the market up, right? But that's interesting, and and yes, it does happen in our industry. Maybe not as much, but I assure you, it does. You know, it it does happen where there's this kind of lack of knowledge about the here and now. You know, but the market will tell you, right? Just in general, right? Free market economy, right? More or less, right? It'll market will tell you. Chris, this has been a great conversation, but let's just say for some reason, somebody just stepped in the car and somebody's been listening to this podcast and they're only hearing one thing from this interview. What's that one thing you want to make sure you get across today? Great question, Trace. I think the one key takeaway that I would ask 
people, whether they are employees or employers, it doesn't matter. If you're a person and you're listening, the one takeaway that I would have is communication matters. Making sure that your desires, your expectations, your drivers, those matter. And along with that is we all have a responsibility to engage others in that dialogue, whether that's on a personal perspective with your wife or your husband or your children, or whether that's with your manager, whether that's your employees, communication matters and either party could and should initiate. Chris, if somebody wants to find out more about what you're talking about and the types of services that you offer, what should they do? They can certainly call me, email me, text me, contact us, reach out to us on LinkedIn, engage with us, call us. We're here to serve. We're here to to serve people. So yeah, just definitely call us. We would love to see what we could do to serve you. So definitely call us, reach out to us on a variety of platforms or just the phone, call or text or LinkedIn. We'll make sure to have all that information on our show notes page. And with your permission, I'd like to also put the paper that you authored on this topic on our show notes page. Absolutely. Please do. You could absolutely do that. And I would love to get feedback because maybe I've missed something. And my goodness, what a blessing for me is, you know, would it be for people to say, Chris, I have a different opinion. Love that. Well, Chris, now we're moving to the lightning round questions. Are you strapped in? Are you ready? Let me go sit up straighter and no. All right. This is the part of the interview that if you answer incorrectly, a trap door opens up and you just get sucked in. Oh boy. (laughs) No problem. My team was installing that last night. You didn't know about that. Yeah, really? It's like, okay, all right. (laughs) Question number one, if you had the ability to go back in time and speak with your former self on your first day as a talent professional, what advice would you give yourself? Great question. I would tell myself that we live in an analog world and not a digital world, that there are indeed shades of gray. I'm an engineer by training. I spent the first half of my professional career as an engineer. And by golly, things are not black and white. And I would, I would tell myself as a recruiter, hey, never forget that there's gray. And listen, and listen well. Listen actively. That's what I would tell year one, day one recruiter Chris Yee. Chris, what are the last few books that you've read? I'm always trying to increase my reading list. So selfishly, what are the books that you're reading? Great. One of them is a oldie but goodie. It's the Bible. For the last 15, 20 years, I've read the Bible through in one calendar year. So here it is, you know, here it is first quarter. So I read the Bible every year. So that's one. And I'm reading it again, of course, this year. The other one I mentioned before, Start With Why. Simon Sinek is just gold, pure gold. And the third one is one also from Rising Tide Mastermind uh, by Brian Moran and a gentleman named Michael Lennington, the 12-week year. Gold, gold, gold. 12-week year is fabulous. So yes, those are three books that I've read recently that are really meaningful. I was actually looking back at the books we've read with the Rising Tide Mastermind. We're on our 14th book since we've started the Rising Tide Mastermind. And that's a comment that we get quite a bit as well, since we read together and then we discuss together and then we try to implement and hold accountable together. People are starting to read more and then also actually do something with what they read. Absolutely. And the 12-week year is an absolute great thing because those are things that you can implement literally every day, literally every week. Next question. If someone were to make a movie about Chris Yee's life, who do you want playing Chris? Put me on the spot. Okay, so here we go. Stream of consciousness. There was a movie called Rush Hour, and it had Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. I would want Chris Tucker to play me. And here's why. Chris Tucker is fun-loving, doesn't take life that seriously. His mouth sometimes gets him into trouble, but he's action-oriented and he cares deeply about right and wrong. 
at the end of the day, he's got a good heart. So I'd want Chris Tucker to play me for that role. Last question. You now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? Well, in light of one of the three books that I've recently read, Trace, I would say that I would want to go way, way back in time, 2,000 years-ish ago, and talk to the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you why. I think he'd have great wisdom about life, how to handle ups and downs, but he'd also tell me how to we would have a conversation and he would help me learn to live well and live with a purpose. What would you ask him? I would say, what are things that I can implement in my day-to-day life that will keep me focused and grounded on what really matters? Chris, you have given us so much to think about during this interview. I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. I want to thank you for all the people listening out there that are thinking, wow, I really need to let my boss know that I feel a certain way about something. And I want to thank you for all the bosses out there that are thinking, I need to do things a little bit differently to make sure that I'm connecting. Thank you for that. Trace, it's my pleasure. And thank you for putting it together. And thank you for all that you do for the water treatment space in general. You're a blessing and a godsend. So thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it so very much. Scout Nation, what a fun interview. Chris, I met at an AWT conference and I had several people in the Rising Tide Mastermind come up to me and asked if I had spoken to Chris to get him in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And I hadn't even met him yet. So he was actually leaving the event. We were at the uh, banquet that we do at the end of the conference each and every year. And he was leaving, and I figured, well, if I'm going to talk to him, I better run after him. So I caught him right before he went out the door. And what an incredibly nice guy. Instantly, I knew exactly what the other members were talking about. And I wanted to get to know Chris better. And Chris joined one of our mastermind groups. He joined the group called Full Steam Ahead. And uh, by the way, all of our groups, of course, the Rising Tide Mastermind. So we try to keep them nautically themed. And whenever a new group starts, that's their first task is they have to name what their group is. And the only, the only rule around that is it's got to be nautically themed. Um, you know, a funny fact about that, uh, they all thought it would be funny to make me think that they named the group the Poop Deck. And I just couldn't imagine talking in front of a group and, and using the words poop deck. I, I know that has a nautical meaning and there's, there, there's use of that and, and all of that, but I just didn't think it was a good name. And they were playing with me and uh, they had some fun with that. And Chris was part of that. So they didn't name it the poop deck. They did name it Full Steam Ahead. And that's the group that Chris is a member of. In case you're wondering, the mastermind is not for everybody. The mastermind is where people that do want to get to the next level. It's for them. It's for people that want to do more than what they're currently doing. They want to be held accountable. They want to be pushed to the next level. They want to learn things that they're not currently learning. We do that through books and discussion. And they are also comfortable... And I will say they get more comfortable as they go along, but they're comfortable letting people know that they have issues that they need to work out. And the issues are anywhere from technical, personal, financial, you name it. We've talked about it in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And we do that in a way where um, we're not allowed to give advice. We are supposed to try to figure out how you see the issue And then after we have a good idea of how your lens is seeing the issue, it's only then that we shift over to advice. And I tell you, the advice section within the Rising Tide Mastermind format, it is just amazing because it takes somebody from step one, trying to figure out what the heck they need to do, to step eight, 
nine or 50 because somebody else has already paved that road for them. Now, maybe the issue is slightly different, but I have just seen some amazing things where people say, I know what you're working on. I've already got that built. I'm going to give that to you. You see if it works for you. And then as you improve it, give it back to me. So now I've got something even better. I've seen that happen so many times. And the acronym for team is together, everybody achieves more. And I know that's kind of corny, but that being said, I see it each and every day with the Rising Tide Mastermind. And uh, we've got our live event getting ready to happen in May, May 23rd through 25th. That's when everybody in the Rising Tide Mastermind comes to Atlanta, Georgia, and we just have an action-packed three days. We normally have an assignment that we do that we help each other with. We uh, have speakers come in. We do workshops, lots of group activities, and it is just meant to supercharge your battery so you cannot wait to go back to your respective businesses, your homes, and start working on all of these things that we talked about at the live event. Uh, last year, we did something called Whirly Ball, which if you can imagine is go-karts or bumper cars rather and lacrosse. If they had a love child, that's what this would be. And it was amazing. So we're always going to do some sort of event like that. So I'm not going to reveal because the mastermind members that are listening don't know what the event is this year. So we just have a lot of fun. So all that to say that uh, I'm so proud that Chris is a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. And if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. We've got information about the mastermind, uh, but there is an interview process because we have to make sure each and every member that we bring into a group is going to enhance that group. We want to make sure that that new member gets everything that they need, but the other part is, is that new member is now bringing that group up to the next level. So in order to do that, Normally, it's me. I will give you a call and we'll talk about all things Rising Tide Mastermind, answer any and all questions that you have. And then from there, we will see if that is a group that seems right for you. And if it is, we continue. If it's not, sometimes I point people into some other groups that I know of. But folks, that's the bottom line. Life is hard. So if this sounds like something you want to explore more, I really urge you to do that. I love it, and I think the right people would love it as well. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are a right person for the Rising Tide Mastermind. But if you're not, that's okay. There could be another group out there that you can join that is right for you. But the point is, life is hard. Our industry is hard. Our family life is hard. You name it, every aspect of it is hard. And it's even harder when you're alone doing it. So when you have people that understand what you're going through and they have a vested interest in helping you get to the next level, can you just imagine how awesome that is? So that's what we do in the Rising Tide Mastermind. That's what a lot of other groups do. So with all of that, I'll stop talking about the Rising Tide Mastermind because you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to learn more. I just wanted to let you know that Chris was in the group and Chris within the group all the time helps us make sure that we're saying things correctly, that we're utilizing systems that we need to. And that's what everybody in the mastermind does. How do we help others with what we know? And then together, we're all getting better. Nation, I am so thankful for you listening to this podcast. Still so excited about 300 episodes. Of course, this is episode 301. So uh, thank you for everybody that listens to this podcast. And as I normally do on each and every episode, here is my plea. In order to have another 300 episodes, what are the ideas that you have that you want to hear on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Go to scalinguph2o.com and you can either record a voicemail of what it is that you want to hear or you asking me a question that most likely I will answer on the air. Or you can go to our ideas page where you can just simply type out what it is that you want to relay to us. 
That helps us more than you will ever know. And it definitely helps us when you tune in each and every week to a brand new episode. And of course, that's going to be next Friday where I will come with you with a brand new episode. So I can't wait till then. And until then, have a great week, folks. Do you wish you had your own private tutor to help you study for the Certified Water Technologist examination? Well, now you do. So many of you have asked me to help you with the mock CWT examination, and I've done that very thing. If you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep, again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep, you will see that I've created a course and I tell you everything I know about each one of those mock questions. It's my hope that that helps give you the confidence you need to sign up to get certified today.